0: Hello, welcome to A Disciple's Tidbit, a small seed of information to help grow your faith. My name is Craig, and I want to invite you to sit back and enjoy this mini episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's A Disciple's Tidbit. And What I want to talk to you about today is something that people often talk about, or they say you shouldn't talk about, too much. And people often do and get into heated arguments and all these debates and et cetera. And Christians are very, very guilty of this as well. Politics and religion. So oftentimes here in the latest five years or so, I've seen many people say, would Jesus be a Republican or a Democrat? Oh, he would definitely be this. He would not be that. Well, I'm going to submit right here right now that he would be neither. Okay. Quite often people think that they have a preconceived view of Jesus, and if you read through the Gospels, people in his time thought the same thing. The Pharisees and Sadducees, which are two different sects of uh, the Jewish faith, basically, they were two denominations, if you will, that did not agree with each other a lot. The only thing that united them in the end was their opposition against Jesus Christ, which should tell you something. In that they thought that, well, if this man truly is a prophet or the Holy One or the Messiah, the anointed one that we've been waiting for, then you would think if anybody would get behind him, it would be the Pharisees and Sadducees. But they had gone so far askew from what they were supposed to be doing that Jesus approved of neither one of them, right? So... It's very similar, I feel, in the American political system. And you could think that maybe the American revolutionaries were Christians, were they deists, were they theists, who knows. There's debate on both sides that seemingly they can attribute quotes to from the founding forefathers. It's clear they were very religious in nature, or at the very least wanted people to be religious, right? But it seemed to be that politics and religion never really seemed to have a place in, although... The concept of separation of church and state wasn't necessarily emphatic within the Constitution of the United States. It was something that was decided upon later by the courts based on the spirit of what the founding forefathers were trying to do. Because keep in mind, the Church of England ruled over the King of England, or I should say he was the head of it, is really what it was. So we have to remember that the American forefathers did not want politics to play a huge role in controlling how the political process would happen in the United States. However, I feel, too, that the founding fathers did not necessarily want politics to be free of religion either. So, But unfortunately, we now have the concept of the separation of church and state that governs many of the court decisions within the United States today. But would Jesus be a Republican or a Democrat? And I'm going to submit, like I said already, that he would probably be neither. And here's why. I think he would like a lot that the Republicans were so pro-life. I believe that you would not find that Jesus is pro-choice whatsoever. Ever. You may be able to find something in the book of Numbers that talks about an adulterous woman who commits adultery, who is found to be with child by another man, and so that she undergoes a procedure to cause that, that life to miscarry. But you have to consider one thing. Under the law of Moses, if a person was caught in the act of adultery, both were stoned to death. The law demanded that they be put to death okay, if she wasn't caught in the act, but it was found later, then in judgment, instead of the woman being put to death, only the child resultant from said adultery would be put to death. It's radically different from what the abortionists advocate for today. And it's completely taking it way out of context and purpose to be able to attribute that to the abortion uh, debate of today. So I think Jesus would really be very um, um, favorable of that, but Republicans tend to be very individualistic. They believe in the freedom of the individual and upholding individual rights, which tends to make people very selfish. So Republicans are often seen as being very selfish. They're seen as maybe wanting to defend the rich because they themselves want the opportunity to be able to be rich and excel within the United States. So they're seen as not necessarily caring about anybody else at all. And to some extent, I think Jesus would agree with that. But here's where I think Jesus would then disagree with Democrats. They often uphold and call what is evil in the Bible as good. And there are many examples you could go research yourself and see what those are. Um, I think abortion would probably, we've already talked about that, so we may as well talk about it now. Um, Abortion on demand, I think Jesus would call emphatically evil. I think he would call it emphatically infanticide. I don't think that he would think that that was a good thing whatsoever, and I think he would excoriate Democrats over that. So moving on from the political sphere of things, I think since we already kind of touched on it, about the religion aspect how about churches what would jesus say about churches these day and age, this day and age and i think we already kind of have a preview of what jesus might say about churches based on the book of revelation in chapters two and three there are seven churches that were real churches during that time that jesus addressed specifically at that time so if you go to say first baptist of atlanta it would almost be like jesus saying in revelation chapter two um to the angel of the first Baptist of Atlanta, right? It was exactly like that thought. So like in uh, chapter 2, verse 1, is he says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? In verse 8, he says, To the angel of the church of Smyrna, right? To the angel of the church in Pergamum, right? So angel... It is probably more of a rendering of the Greek word that is used, which I don't have in front of me at the moment, but some translations have called it the word messenger. So in other words, it'd be like, and to the messenger of the church of Smyrna, right? It was believed largely that the heads of the churches were being addressed here. The point I'm trying to make here is that seven churches in chapters two and three were addressed. Only two of them received no rebuke from the lord and that was the church at smyrna and that was the church at philadelphia and both were experiencing extreme persecution something that tends to really purify the church and cause many of the tares so to speak that jesus talked about in the gospels the wheat and the tares that that god did not want the tares to be taken out of the harvest, basically, you could think of it as false wheat. It wasn't actually edible wheat. Um, God said, don't uproot them because then you're going to uproot the wheat along with the uh, the chaff itself. But we'll worry about that once we harvest the wheat, right? So I think Jesus would have a lot of bad things to say about what goes on in today's churches as well. Uh, the prosperity gospel is probably a big one that um, that he would probably address and see as a bad thing. Um, Instead of trying to find our best life now, we should look at this life as a basic training, so to speak, for eternity and for the millennium and for the eternal state. So, but if you want to know more about that and how you can be a part of that, I want you to listen to the next segment that'll be coming up here in just a few seconds. at this point in the podcast i want to reach out to you and if you have never done so if you have never entered into a saving relationship with god through the lord jesus christ i want to invite you to do that today all you need to do is believe believe that jesus was who he said he was he was god in the flesh believe in your heart that he died for your sins and rose from the dead confess him as lord And the Bible says that you will be saved if you do that. If you truly believe in your heart that Jesus is who he said he was and that he did exactly what he said he would do for you, you will be saved. It is simply that easy. A lot of people say prayer, prayer. And that's great to confess and put your mind and your heart and everything through A process, if you will, to be able to embody what's already taken place in your heart. By simply saying, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. And now I confess you as Lord. Please take control of my life. And I want to follow you for the rest of my days. Jesus name I pray. Amen. That's all you need to do. your life will change your life will change not necessarily materially not necessarily in terms of the world but your life will change as far as your relationship with god and you can know for certain that you're saved the apostle john wrote that when he was pinning first john he says i write these things to use that you may know that you have eternal life not that you can hope not that you can wonder but that you can know Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 says "For it is by grace you have been saved through faith this is not of yourselves it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast At gmail.com. If you have anything that you would like to convey to me, such as something you agree with, something you don't, or anything else, or if you did receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, I'd love to hear from you today and to assist you on your new eternal journey.